Hello. Content for the Cultured episode 12. Coming at you. Um, that was Prince Thomas there with the uh, creatively titled track named F. Uh, literally just the letter F. Um, coming at you this fine Sunday and don't let me see here what I got going for you. Um, okay, so that was Prince Thomas. That's going to be my uh, artist suggestion of the week. That's from the album Principe del Norte. I'm just giving you those fucking dance hits you know and you love and that you need in your life. Um, got a got a few things to talk to you about today. Uh, might be a shorter episode. I've been usually doing about an hour, uh, but let's uh, let's just get into it. I got my coffee here, and I'm just trying to be somewhat productive on this otherwise uneventful weekend. Uh, let's, let's get into it. So, you know, what are you doing here? Content for the cultured. Oh, let's go. Let's give you the disclaimers and let's tell you what it's all about. What are you doing here? What are you listening to? Why are we doing this? You're here because this is going to be your one-stop shop for the kind of music that you want to be listening to the music, the the music you want to listen to, the movies you want to watch, the fucking TV shows you want to watch. You know, I got it for you. Okay. I got the fucking taste that you need. And, uh, yeah, there you go. That's what you're doing here. That's going to be my introduction. Uh, that's the album of the week. It's Principe del Norte. Start off every episode. If you're a new listener, if this is your first time coming in here, I'm going to suggest something new every uh, every two weeks. This is a bi-weekly podcast. And uh, let's just fucking get into it. As you can tell, I'm not super prepared for today. I'm kind of just having my coffee and I'm like, fuck it. Let's do the podcast and let's just fucking crank it out. So... Anyways, that that was the track called F uh, from Prince Thomas. He's uh, one of those. I think. Let me look where he's from. You know, we're already gonna. We're five minutes into the podcast, and we are already googling stuff. That's how prepared I am. All right, Prince Thomas. Okay, there he is, record producer. Where the fuck is he from? Let's see here. Norwegian. Yes, I knew it. Yeah, so he's a European um, electronic artist and uh, associated with Lindstrom. Another track I just added to the content for the culture playlist on Spotify that you need to follow. If you don't and you're listening to this podcast, follow immediately on Spotify. I've been adding tracks left and right. I mean, this is my album suggestion, but I've been adding tracks from this album for the past about, you know, two or three weeks. Since then, I've added probably 15, 20 other songs from various albums that have come out. So, you know, listening to this podcast, you're going to stay in touch with, in my opinion, the best um, music that's probably a little more underground, more so than not, you know, m- most often, uh, nonetheless, I, worth worth listening to. And, you know, it's you're not fucking listening to the radio. OK, this is not the this is the podcast format that we're going with here. OK, we're not listening to any goddamn shitty radio hits, pop bullshit music. OK. We're listening to Prince Thomas and strange electronic music and indie rock and the music that you need to concern yourself with because you're tired of radio hits. That's what you're doing here. So uh, the Prince Thomas, Principe del, Principe del Norte, Principe del Norte. Uh, it's a good album. I, I think I may, might have saved like three or four tracks uh, from that album on the content for the culture playlist. I know I added some to my electronic playlist, which is another good playlist to follow. It's just purely electronic music. Some crossover there with the tracks that are in the content for the culture playlist, but uh, there's also a lot of new music in there too. So if you're into electronic music, you're into good beats, you're into dancing um, and, and, and music that's kind of, in my opinion, inspired by, you know, like 4533 by LCD. I mean, to me, that's like the best dance song of all time. And so that's kind of what that playlist is inspired by. So give that a listen to, give that a follow and, and listen to Prince Thomas. That track was F and we're going to hit you with another creatively named letter track at the end of the podcast. Um, and, and not to spoil anything, but it is between the letters A and E. I don't want to spoil what letter it is, but it's one of those letters and it's kind of a similar feel to that track, kind of a thick bass and, uh, and, and what, you know, I, I don't really, I always start off the podcast suggesting an artist, an album. And, you know, I think at first I, I tried to, you know, describe, well, it's really good because, you know, this is the themes and, oh, and then this groove here. It's like, honestly, I can only describe it in words uh, to a certain extent until you just need to fucking listen to it to yourself and just, you know, 
make up your mind. I mean, um, frankly speaking, it's just the reason I suggested his album. It's just a great dance album. Great, great electronic, uh, maybe not dance album, but great electronic album. There's a few dance tracks on there. Those are the ones I'm going to be playing at the beginning and at the end. Uh, some other ones are a little out there, get a little spacey, um, get a little wild, but nonetheless, I think they're, uh, you know, worth checking out. And I'm, I've been on this electronic kick. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're not an electronic music kind of fan, shit, that's going to be a problem because that's, that's, that's the music I've been playing. Um, I've been sticking with it since I think I've suggested maybe Cyan Nugent was the last like instrumentalist that I suggested maybe. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, fuck it. Yeah. I I think electronic music is worth listening to. And if you're not a fan of it, you just got to be patient with it. It's like me with rap music. I've been saying I'm going to get around to it eventually. And one day I will. And so hopefully those of you that aren't into electronic music will get there as well. Uh, and, and so there's that, but speaking of Cyan Nugent, I'm going to see him a week from today, next Sunday on, um, on, I had the lip smack. I sounded fucking loud in your ears, didn't it? Uh, I'm going to be seeing him Sunday night at Valley bar in Phoenix. That's going to be a good show. Tickets were like $13 overall. Don't you love that indie shows? It's like the best part. I went to see Mac DeMarco in Tucson and it was like, Oh, these tickets were 20 bucks. It's like, I ended up paying more in gas to get there than for the tickets themselves. You got to love it. Uh, so I don't even think he's headlining. I think he's playing with nap eyes, I guess, as a leading band who have some good, um, good reviewed albums and, uh, well-reviewed albums actually might be proper grammar there. They have some well-reviewed albums on, on pitchfork and Metacritic and stuff. And, uh, and, and so I'm excited to see them too and kind of check them out. I've listened to a little bit of it, but I, I think I might enjoy it more seeing them live as opposed to, um, you know, listening to their albums first. So I'm excited to see him and, and I'll let you guys know what I think. Uh, and, and kind of that's where we're at in music news. Um, let me look at my, what I got written down here. So Prince Thomas and then, oh yeah. And so I said he's associated with Lindstrom. Uh, that's another electronic artist. I think that's another person, but Prince Thomas and Lindstrom work together. Let me look him up. Lindstrom, Lindstrom family auto wash, not who I'm looking for. That's not, nope. Lindstrom music. Hans Peter Lindstrom is a Norwegian producer. Is that Norwegian? I don't know what accent that was. Yeah. So I, I just love European electronic music. I think it's my favorite cause it gets, it just strays away from the norm of what you're so used to hearing, you know, out at bars and clubs and everything like that at our age, you know, mid twenties or something like that. Our age. I mean, maybe there's some older listeners, but uh, for the most part, you know, that's the, it, it goes totally outside of the norm and, and they have these songs, you know, they're fucking like 10 minute electronic epic jams. I mean, I hate using the word epic, but fuck, there's really no other way to describe it. Um, so that, that song I wanted to suggest by Lindstrom, which was just given best new track on pitchfork. That's kind of how it turned me on to it. And then I ended up following him on, uh, Spotify, even though I've added some of his songs to the content for the culture playlist. Uh, let's see. Closing shot is what it's called. Oh my God. Talk about a fucking trip, dude. That electronic, that is just, you listen to it, enjoy it. Um, that those are, yeah, those are my suggestions. If, if you're into electronic music, listen to Lindstrom closing shot. And then the two songs I'm going to play here by Prince Thomas, you know, F and then a through E one of those letters at the end of the podcast and, and, and listen to that whole album. And then on top of that, I just kind of want to make note of some other, let's see, what are some other tracks I added to the playlist that were pretty good. I added Lapsley. There were some songs from Lapsley. She's like a really popular artist. I've never heard of her. She has like 2 million monthly listeners. It's insane. So like really poppy, a little maybe uh, outside of the norm for this podcast. I usually go more so with underground musicians, but she had some good songs. I would say, listen to that song. Tell me the truth. Fucking groovy. Yeah, I said groovy as the widest way to describe it, but fucking groovy. And um, I love the piano intro and outro. I think it really kind of brings the song together. That's another suggestion. And, and I've just added a bunch of tracks. I think we're at like 315 with the playlist. So follow the playlist, uh, you know, listen, follow along and send me any suggestions you want. You can contact me on the website at contentfortheculture.com and let me know. Uh, let me know what you're interested in or give me some suggestions. I love it. Or ask me any questions. I was thinking today, I listened to a lot of podcasts at work and and a lot of podcasts, they'll take like listeners questions. And obviously I don't have a ton of listeners, but if anybody had any questions and I will say, if they asked me any personal questions, you know, even if I knew you, I would assume anonymity, anonymity, and um, I would love to give advice. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So yeah, if you ever have any questions like that or anything, you know, music, movie related, something like that, want my opinion on stuff, please feel free 
uh, message me on the website. There's a contact link and you can just send it, go straight to my email. I'd love to, I'd love to get into that on the podcast. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So that's kind of the music news. I know I'm going like a million miles an hour right now. And partially because I've just, you know, I'm having my coffee. Well, not my coffee, my second round of coffee. So we're, we're getting rolling here. We're moving fast. I think it might be a quicker podcast today. I think I'm just kind of in a rush a little bit. Probably not a good thing, but here we are 13 minutes in. Fuck it. So I do want to talk about, um, I do want to talk about the Oscars. I know they happened. Uh, I guess they happened like two weeks ago, literally on the dot, but got to get into it, get my opinion out there and just let you know what I thought. Um, God damn. Are they long? Jesus. The Oscars are too long. I, I think everybody can agree on, agree on that. And, and including the people that are there, even the stars, the actors, it is too long. We recorded the Oscars and started them like an hour and a half later. So we could see everything and skip all the commercials and watch it all through and get through it as fast as possible. Cause I, I remember last year I did the same thing where I, we were doing like, we had some champagne and we're drinking and it's like, hell yeah. we're watching like the intro of the red carpet and like literally an hour into the broadcast, I'm about to fucking fall asleep. So I was glad we did that. We're watching it enjoying it. And, you know, you're getting that first hour and a half of, um, like the awards that unfortunately no one really cares about, except the people in the industry, you know, like the visual effects and the sound and the costuming. And I think they're great awards to have. I'm not discrediting them at all. It's just not something that really applies to a lot of us on the outside of Hollywood who are just like, okay, well, we just like, you know, we just want to see the best actor, best supporting actor. Of course, you know, that's just how it goes. Um, nonetheless, fucking finally, when it got around there, dude, we, me and my group of friends, we were just falling. I mean, like we're falling asleep. We're sit like, it, it is just too long. And mind you, we're skipping all the commercials. I realized next year, what I need to do, like we watched all the, in- the problem was, is we watched all the segments, whether it was like, you know, some awkward racially, you know, undertoned comedic said segment or an introduction and then someone giving a speech and then introduce, introducing the movies, talking about them and then going, I mean, we dealt with all of that and we didn't skip over anything. And I think that was the biggest problem. I think that was the biggest mistake we made when watching you. You just have to skip over it. Like maybe watch some of the, the skits cause you just got to see how bad they are or, you know, sometimes good. And then from there, you just got to fast forward to them reading off the fucking award because it's like we, you know, we're, we're watching and it's like, and makeup and artist design go, you know, and here's the nominees and they're going through individually and then they come up and then they give their speech. And it's like, you listen to the speech and it's like, I don't even need to hear the speech for these people. You know, the only speeches you you want to hear three, maybe four speeches. And that's like, you know, like over under three, like three or four. Uh, that's like the limit you want to hear best actor, best picture, best director, and maybe a best like supporting actor, actress, or best actors. Like, you know, th- there's only like a few you really do give a shit about. And then, you, you know, because some people win that you don't want to. And then you're like, why do I care about what they even have to say about this award? This fucking trophy they won. So that's my first thing I want to say and just get off my chest. I mean, they're, they're too long. They're too long. I mean, we did everything. And, and that is just from start to finish. No commercials. Every segment included. It's too fucking long. I can't do it. And next year, I'm not going to do that same thing. I'm just going to fast forward through the awards and we did it the right way. I'm glad that we skipped through a lot of the, a lot of the commercials and, and we fast forward to f- actually, I don't even know if we really fast forwarded any parts. I mean, by the end, I think we might've, but for the most part, we stuck with it. We were like, fuck it. We got to do it. got to see the whole thing. Don't want to miss a thing. And then you realize by the end of it, you're like, the only thing I missed out on was like, fucking two hours of my life. I'll never get back. Like Jesus. So that, that was just kind of my first thing. That being said, I would love to go. I'm not saying if the Academy is listening and they're, you know, taking me off that potential list. Like, no, I I still would love to go. I think it would be fucking awesome. It's just like, God, you watch that broadcast and it just fucking drags. So that was my first thing. The second thing, the, the Oscar so white controversy, I thought, you know, Chris Rock's like opening monologue was really good, really funny, um, on point and, and very, you know, making fun of making fun of all different sides of the equation. I thought he did such a good job with that. You know, he made fun of, you know, white people on all of us and how privileged we are like, you know, it was hilarious. And then he kind of gave, you know, Will Smith, Jaden Smith shit. And then just, you know, he worked his way around like all the different races. I mean, he did a really good job. And I, I think a lot of the feedback I heard 
coming out of it from, from most sources that I listened to, you know, whether it was podcasts or on the news, everybody would just said the same thing. He had a tremendous amount of pressure on him. So I completely sympathize with that. I thought he did a great job at the beginning. I thought there were a few good skits following that. Uh, the, the one where they, you know, superimpose like the, the, the black people in the, into the movies, like in the Revenant where the one actress, she's like on top of Leo saying, you should have called my agent or whatever. You know, that was funny. That was funny. Tracy Morgan acting, acting as the Danish girl. That was hilarious. I think we all enjoyed that. Uh, I think we all can also agree though. It was kind of near the middle of the broadcast and then all the way into the end, it, it was beating a dead horse. It, it, they wouldn't stop with the racially charged jokes and it just was out of, I just, to me, it kind of went off the rails. I just, there were just some awkward jokes and awkward segments. And I just was like, the reason this is awkward is you've just pushed it too not pushed it too far. It wasn't like too offensive necessarily. I mean, there might've been some jokes like that, that offended people. I don't know. Um, but overall it, it wasn't like the offensive part. It was just like the, okay, we fucking get it. Like, all right, let's just, let's like, you're making this Oscars all about this controversy. And now it's like, okay, we get it. Like, it's an issue. Like, can we just fucking get these awards passed out and move on? And and it won't be that way next year. We already know. Like I thought that first half, the first hour, just those, the, the skits that were funny and, and the opening monologue, all that combined was more than enough to be like, all right, we know the Academy is going to change their ways a little bit. We know that Hollywood's going to start casting more roles like that. We can already see that change. We can feel that shift. And they just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And it was, like I said, I wasn't offended. I wasn't like, that was so racially overcharged. Like I was reverse racist. Like, no, it's not at all anything like that. It's just, to me, it was just like, okay, like it just wasn't funny anymore. Like, it's just like an over, it was an overdone joke. It just became something that's just like, okay, this is like overdone. Like I don't, it's like DJ college Snapchat. Like uh, that's the best comparison I can come up with. You know, you watch it the first day you add him on Snapchat and you're like, Oh man, this guy's fucking awesome. Like he's hilarious. Like, what a cool life. And then you watch it the second day and you're like, all right, you know, I mean, that's like, it was like three hours long, but okay. And then like the third day, you're just like, fuck this. I don't care. This is over the top. And it's just like, I don't give a shit anymore. And that's what it felt like by the end of it. I'm just like, all right, hand out the fucking awards. Let's move on. Let's end this. And then we'll have next year to just not worry about it because we're going to solve this problem. I think everybody's on the same page. Everybody wants to do that. I think we're all, we all want, you know, full equality. I, I, for one, definitely do in Hollywood. And I get that it is a problem. I think everybody like acknowledged, everybody could, you know, actively acknowledge in the first hour. It's like, all right, this is it. You know, we get it. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm being insensitive. Maybe it's, you know, it's, it's the wrong perspective, but that's just how I felt. It was just beating a fucking dead horse. I was just like, Oh God, it was near the end. All of us were like, okay, all right, we get it. Like, you know, you're getting to those awards that you really want to see the best, uh, best actor, best actress, all that. And even still, it was just going and the racial jokes were still pouring in. And I, oh man, we just were all worn out. Like the one, I think like some of the segments we didn't like the, the talking to people outside of Compton out of the movie reviews. And it was just, that was like midway through and it was just like awkward. And I'm like, oh God, like I'm, it was cringing, you know, it's cringeworthy. That's what it was. I was cringing during some of those points and it wasn't a cringe like, Ooh, that's awkwardly funny. Like he's so right. It wasn't like that. It was cringing like, oh, this just isn't funny anymore. I just, I don't know. That's just my opinion. So overall though, I mean, I, I think he handled it well in the beginning and maybe he just pushed it too far. I think also, you know, it was, like I said, he had a lot of pressure. So overall, you know, he did a good job. He worked his ass off and his opening monologue was awesome. Um, also, you know, along that, along those lines, Louis CK's presentation for best document, uh, documentary short was just like the fucking funniest introduction to somebody moving, uh, winning an award like that. Just saying how this is the most thing like none of these people will ever be rich. This is the greatest achievement that they can ever have. They'll like, I mean, talk about a niche kind of, uh, art form. It was just so funny the way he talked about it. If you, if you have a chance to look that up, I thought, I thought his, uh, stand up. I mean, it wasn't stand up, but that's just how he is the way he talks. Uh, I thought it was just hilarious. Um, and speaking of him too, I, I started watching that show, um, Louie on Netflix. God damn, it's funny. Uh, I might feature that on an episode in the future and just a heads up. So those are, you know, my first couple of things with the Oscars too long. Um, the, the racial overtones, undertones, whatever the fuck, uh, they just, by the end of it, I'm like, all right, you know, let's just, it is an award show. Let's just finish it up. Um, and I just kind of got 
tired of it. I just didn't think it, I just thought it lost its, uh, lost its, its funny nature. And then I was really disappointed with best picture. I, and I'm sure anybody who's listened to this podcast and heard my review of spotlight, I can't fucking believe it won best picture. I was so disappointed, but let me give you a lead up to it. So we all, you know, we're fast forwarding to the commercial. So we're, we're behind, you know, we're, we're not with the live broadcast. So we're not spoiling anything. All of us are not looking at our phones. We're not looking at any Instagram. Like literally we're like, nobody go on social media. Nobody do any of that. We got to keep it under wraps because it's the only way this is going to work. You know, it's fucking impossible. You go on Instagram and like Leo's a meme everywhere. Unfortunately, I got Leo's win spoiled by like, I think like my brother texted me or something like, Oh, I love that speech. And you know, it's all good. Like we all knew who he was, who was going to win and, and good for him. I think we were all fucking pumped about that, but we're finally near the end. And we're like, we just got to see who wins best picture. We just got to see. And we no, it hadn't been spoiled yet. We luckily. And, um, sorry, just drinking some coffee and hadn't been spoiled yet. We're waiting till the end. And we finally, we're like, fuck it. Let's just fast forward. Let's get the last speech. And we're starting to see like when you record a live event, on direct TV, which I have, it gives you the option to like add an extension. So like add a 30 minute extension if it's, if it runs long, which makes sense because you know, the Oscars are fucking extremely long and speeches go longer than they should. And segments go longer than they should. And then it's 30 minutes over 45 minutes over whatever. And it gives you the option to add the amount of time. It just said 30 minutes. So when I added the extension, I'm like, all right, 30 minutes. Yeah, that should be good. So we only added 30 minutes. We're getting near the end. Morgan Freeman is about to present. None of us know who's winning. And which is awesome, by the way, that they got Morgan Freeman for the best picture. And we're all just waiting there. And we're looking at the time on the recording and it's like, we're at two twenty nine, and you know, or like three twenty nine. you know, it's like three and a half hours, I think. And, and we were at the end of our 30 minute extension. We're like, please just give us the award goes to, because luckily they already like, you know, described all the movies. They do that throughout the broadcast, which is smart. Cause there's like 10 of them. So we have a minute left and he's, literally up there, you know, does his little joke, whatever the fuck it was, you know, his introduction. And we're like, Oh God, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it opens the envelope? And I'm not even exaggerating. Like literally it was the fucking funniest timing I've ever seen opens the envelope and the Oscar goes to, and then boom, the recording ends. And we're all sitting there like, Oh, at the end of our seats. And we just fucking burst out laughing it was like the fucking funniest thing like we're just sitting there and we're just like just say the name literally just say spotlight or the revenant and the oscar goes to and that like amazing morgan freeman voice and then fucking nothing it was so fucking funny and we're all just like god damn it i should add it like it was so so funny so we missed the speech i heard michael keaton gave i don't know i don't know his speech. i didn't even watch it um his speech the year before was kind of weird too uh, but spotlight one apparently, and I'm glad I didn't see it live. Cause I would have been fucking disappointed. I just wasn't that big of a fan of the movie. I, I think I was listening to one of those podcasts. I was listening to one of my podcasts. I listened to at work and they, the best way to describe it is, you know, sometimes there's those upsets with best, best picture. And, and, you know, sometimes those best pictures, like you look back and you look at the list of best pictures and let's pull up a list right now. And you see some of them and, and some of them just aren't that great. You know, like some are really the best word to describe them is memorable and some aren't. And let's look it up. Oscar best picture winners. And I think spotlight's going to be one of those. Like there's best pictures. You look back and like, fuck, they deserve that. That was it. You know, and there's the ones that don't win it. And then they go down as the classic. So like, I mean, obviously like Shawshank not winning or, or, you know, um, like Goodfellas not winning. Those are obviously classics that don't win it. And unfortunately it happens. And I, and I feel like that's what it was this year too. So let's see. We got Spotlight this year winning over, you know, Big Short and Revenant, which obviously deserved it in my opinion. Last year we got Birdman. Deserved it. Like that that's going to be a classic. Spotlight, people are going to forget about that. There's there's movies that stick with you more so. And I, I just feel like Big Short really affected me in a way. Same with The Revenant. Just so much more so than Spotlight. They were just so much better. So much more award-worthy. 2014, obviously Birdman, like I said, deserved it. 2013, 12 Years a Slave. I actually haven't seen that. I mean, I'm sure it's amazing. I get why that had to win over like Wolf of Wall Street or American Hustle or something. Um, Argo. That was a weak year. 
Look at this. Argo, Amor, Beast of the Southern Wild, Django, Le Miserables, Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty. Like, Argo was a good movie. It, Argo, it's like, that's the thing about Best Picture. Argo is like Spotlight to me. It's like that movie that follows the screenplay structure, you know, the act, the three-act structure to a T. Um, it gives you that, you know, typical Hollywood fulfillment, you know, tongue-in-cheek humor, um but it's just like at the end of the day you see it once and then you're like all right do i need to see that again i think like a movie that deserves a second viewing is almost more deserving of a best picture let's see the artist jesus who the fuck has seen the artist since that one in 2011 i mean you got the descendants oh the descendants is amazing i wish that one best picture warhorse fuck that was nominated for best picture in 2011 2010 the king's speech actually i love that i'm sorry people might give me shit for that i love this king's speech it deserves it. it's classic hurt locker damn district nine damn 2009 that's a long time ago i don't know but you get what i'm saying there's just some movies that no country for old man classic the departed classic crash like crash brokeback mountain capote good night and good luck munich damn that's a pretty that's a pretty heated uh award uh, category there holy shit i don't know if crash deserved it then again i haven't seen it um for a movie guy i really haven't seen a lot of great films i guess 2004 million dollar baby Ugh, clint eastwood's new movies no thank you sideways was nominated that's awesome lord of the rings return of the king i get they had to win there against lost in translation unfortunately chicago a beautiful a beautiful mind i don't know you get my point there's just those movies that you're just going to, that win Best Picture and they're going to go down as history as being the one that, all right, yeah, you know, they won Best Picture. They're, it's going to say that on the DVD case, you know, Best Picture, uh, Academy Award winning Best Picture, this, that, and the other. But, you know, you're going to look at it and be like, all right, well, I don't know if it deserved it. And it's, that's the thing about Spotlight. Like I said, the best way to describe it is it's just that kind of movie that follows the structure to a T. I, I love the Revenant. I love the big short. They mix it up. They mix it up. And and that was a great win for Adam McKay on the Oscar there, winning uh, best original or best adapted screenplay. Uh, good for him. What a fucking awesome filmmaker to go for like Anchorman and those, you know, goofy movies with Will Ferrell to winning an Oscar. I mean, that's fucking cool. And it just goes to show, you know, it's really a, any kind of movie, a comedy, whatever is an art form. I mean, he's a talented guy. So I, I think it's really awesome. I was disappointed in the spotlight. That was the biggest thing. Mad Max cleaned up a lot of the visual ones. I think I've said on here I wasn't a huge fan of Mad Max. Everybody loves it, though. I get it. It's fine. Um, and I'm looking at the time here, and I'm seeing I'm 30 minutes in. And I'm still talking about the Oscars, and that was two weeks ago. So we, we can move on. Um, but but I will kind of continue off of that for a little bit because I did see Anomalisa last night. I wanted to watch a movie before doing this podcast, and um, I figured that would be a good one hour and a half strange claymation film from the mind of Charlie Kaufman. I think he co-directed it with another guy who does a lot of like, you know, claymation animated movies. You need somebody there that like has a background in that, of course. And holy shit, dude, what a weird, strange, uh, you know, good movie, but strange, very, very strange. I mean, Charlie Kaufman is a visionary. He is a fucking genius. Uh, Mark Marin interviewed him on his podcast and, and he was talking about before he talked, you know, before he actually had the conversation with, uh, Charlie Kaufman, uh, he was saying how he's just like a genius, you know, rather do you meet few geniuses in your life. And it's like, he really is one of those guys where it's like his mind just works differently than everybody else. So you have to go into a movie knowing that, um, I saw a lot of reviews for it saying it's like the most human film of the year and everything like that. And I think it's a really accurate portrayal of the movie. So, you know, essentially, you know, synopsis of the film and it was nominated for a best, uh, best animated film, which is awesome. It didn't win. It's okay. It's kind of a weirder one. Uh, I think like, didn't like Inside Out win or something? Yeah, I mean that's great. You know that was a that was I'm sure that was good, but uh, Anomalisa basically follows this one guy, Michael Stone, claymation lead, and it just follows him landing in Cleveland or Cincinnati, Ohio or whatever. Um, I can't remember which city uh, to give like a talk at like a customer service thing, which is so funny because I worked in customer service just a few months ago. I was in a call center. And it was so funny, like just the parallels I drew from that, where he's just like, everybody looks up to him and he's the guy that writes the customer service books and how to treat customers right, everything like that. And it really, like, I get where people are saying it's the most human film of the year. You know, he comes into the city, he's having this awkward interaction with people on the plane, landing in there, you know, people sitting next to him and awkward 
interactions and just obnoxious like human so stereotypical interactions with like cab drivers on the way describing Cincinnati and why it's so great and it's very funny it's very very funny and very clever it's just very Charlie Kaufman honestly and I loved it I loved the first 15 you know minutes 30 minutes and he's stuck in the hotel room he talks to you realize he has a wife and kids and you can tell he's just miserable you can tell this dude's depressed and they used a very interesting style with the film and, and if you do watch it or if you've seen it you, you know I, I kind of had to look it up a little bit afterwards because I was like that was fucking weird and then I read it and I'm like damn that's that's actually kind of makes sense and and it brings it all together in the end and maybe I need to watch it again and that's what's I like that that's the power of film you know when a movie makes you kind of a little confused at the end I think that's better than a movie like oh that was awesome I mean like every once in a while there's a movie that just satisfies every fucking you know, sense sensatory experience. I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean? Like I saw whiplash and it ended in like just right after the ending. I'm like, fuck yes, that was perfect. This movie wasn't that, but I do love films that make you think and make you work as a viewer and make you just kind of like, Oh, that's weird. I don't know why they did that. And then you think like why they did that. And then you realize there's a meaning behind it and you interpret it in your own way. And you're like, very cool. You know, that's what kind of happened with that film. So follows him like that he calls his wife and kids you can tell he's bored he calls his ex-girlfriend that he hasn't talked to in like 10 years that lives there and she, every you start to realize the ex-girlfriend's talking she has this like guy's voice it's like a guy kind of talking like that you know like, oh, okay i can meet you at the hotel like talking in like a voice where like okay i can tell it's a guy but it's like trying to talk like a girl you realize everybody has the same voice and it kind of gives me goosebumps talking about it honestly it's like kind of spooky but you also realize there's a point to it and you can tell like there's issues there. She ends up leaving. They get like a fight and I'm just spoiler alert. I'm spoiling everything here. I'm going to. Um, and I thought it was, you know, strange at first. And then he meets these girls in the hotel room uh, or in the hotel, like near the room. He's like knocking on doors. I didn't really understand why he was. And, and he meets a girl and there's this sex scene eventually that comes of it. And she has a different voice. She is. I think it's Jennifer Jason Lay's voice. The girl from uh, woman from um, uh, hateful eight. And so she has a different voice and you're like, oh, okay. And he's like, starts to take a real attraction to her and they're in the hotel room and then they end up and she's like really self-conscious and everything. And he's really attracted and loves her voice and, and everything about her. And it's, it's very weird, but it is very human and very real. I mean, you're watching it and it's, I, it was so cool because I'm watching this claymation movie and, and for about like 75% of the film when it wasn't like being really weird and it was just being very like normal human interactions I was like, holy shit, I just forgot, I forgot I was watching a claymation movie, which I think was just so powerful. I think it was so uh, indicative of Charlie Kaufman's like writing ability and his, you know, his ability to just create a world that you can just immediately buy into. And so then they end up sleeping together and I'm watching that. This was yesterday. I'm watching this fucking claymation scene. And I remember on uh, Marin's podcast, uh, WTF, I remember when He's talking about the sex scene with Charlie Kaufman. I'm like, oh shit, I got to see this. The dude, like the claymation dude goes down on her and then they end up having sex and you're watching and I'm like, whoa, like, holy shit. Like, this is so weird. But it honestly, it was like strange, but at the same time, it was so human. And so like, it was just like a believable sexual interaction. I mean, as weird as that sounds, I mean, I was watching it and I'm like, it ended and I kind of felt weird, especially watching it by myself. I'm like, I, I, I but at the same time, you know, it ended and then they wake up the next morning and I was just like, I don't know. It felt authentic. And that's what, that's what really kind of brought it together. And then they're talking in the morning and I'm just going to summarize the whole film. That's going to give you my review basically and try and explain what I did and didn't like about it. But essentially she starts talking about, like she starts talking to him and he's like, I love you. I, I want to leave my wife. I'm depressed, you know, everything like that. And her name is Lisa. And, and he says she's an anomaly. That's why she's anomalisa. That's, you know, spoiler alert. And, uh, and then, you know, she keeps saying that, okay, I can't wait. I can move out to LA with you, this and the other. And then her voice starts to change into the voice of his wife and the voice of the bell hop and the voice of the people downstairs and the voice. And you start to realize like everybody's the same to him. Um, and then the movie ends with him. He like goes back home. He's with his family. They invite, um, his friends there to surprise him and his kid. And they all just still have the same voice. And it's very weird and eerie and kind of creepy. And it was, I was a little spooked. Honestly, I was like sitting there like, oh, this is so weird, but that's just how it goes. And I think it was kind of going along the theme of, you know, being in relationships and, and friendships and how, you know, 
when you get to know somebody and this is what was so powerful about it. I had to research a little bit. And I'm like, well, why would they do that? It's, I just couldn't really work my brain around it. And it was more about how, you know, you you're with somebody for a while or you have friends for a while. And, you know, when you meet somebody, whether it's friendship, you know, a romantic relationship, anything like that, you know, at the beginning, it's always a very, you don't look at them as a human. You look at them as I think like an anomaly. I think you look at everybody like that as, you know, who is this person? I, they're so interesting. They're such a, you know, they, they don't have problems. They don't have self, you know, they, they're not self-conscious. They don't have issues. They're perfect. And then the more you get to know people, whoever it is, you know, you get to realize everybody's just human. Everybody's not the same. You know, that's kind of what the movie was going along the lines of in terms of what the voice is not saying they're the same, but they're all same in the sense of that they have their flaws. They're human. And eventually, I mean, you have to work past that, I guess. I don't, I don't really know what to take away from the ending in terms of that. Um, kind of depressing the theme, honestly. I mean, it was kind of depressing, but it was, it was good. It was real. And it was in, and when I read about it, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of an interesting point of view. And that's, that's what I enjoyed about it. It was strange. I'll probably watch it again. Maybe. I don't know. I I don't know. It was, it was weird, but it it was good. And it was, uh, it was, you know, Kaufman being Kaufman. It was just, I've seen Synecdoche, New York, Synecdoche. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, I, I love all his movies. Eternal Sunshine's amazing. It's one of the best films of like the past, uh, 10, 20 years, I would say, um, easily. So it was, it was good. It was strange. If you watch it, I'd love to hear what you think. I mean, it's weird, you know, and it's a movie I was kind of glad to watch by myself. Cause otherwise if I was watching that with somebody else, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, this is weird. It's like, you know, that's like a movie where you're like, you're watching and your parents walk in. It's like, Oh, and they walked in right on the sex scene. This is strange. You know what I mean? Like it was just kind of, kind of a weird, uh, a weird one, a strange one, but I, I still, I still enjoyed it. And I was glad I watched it. I didn't regret it at all. You know, and I, I would, I would definitely watch it again. Um, give it a second viewing. So that was interesting. That's kind of a movie. I, I was like, I'm glad I can watch a movie and talk about it on the podcast. I haven't seen a movie in a while <clears throat> since like, I think like hateful eight. So, uh, there's that. And then, um, my last thing I'm, I'm going to talk about, um, before I get there, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about serial podcast, but I'm going to review house of cards, full fucking spoilers ahead. So just be prepared for that. You thought I spoiled anomalies. I'm spoiling the shit of house of cards, um, spoiling the shit out of it. So just wanted to give an update on my opinion in terms of uh, the serial podcast. Um, the second season, I think it's really good. I think it's really good. I've heard everybody like, okay. First season, like I said, it, it's a lot like making a murderer. They're talking about, um, <clears throat> they're talking about the guy getting wrongfully convicted. We don't know. Did he do it? Did he not? Is he telling the truth, et cetera? Obviously that stuff is so fucking compelling. And it's like, we need to know, like, this is so interesting. And the second season is a totally different uh, premise. It's um, Bo Bagdragal, something like Bo is his name. And he's a deserter in the army and he gets captured by uh, the Taliban or somebody in Afghanistan gets taken to Pakistan and he's a POW for five fucking years and then finally comes home and I think it's like nine episodes now I'm finally caught up I mean it's serial is so fucking good it's like it's like what everybody in podcasting aspires to be it's it's like you know Marin status you know with WTF Bill Burr Monday morning podcast status obviously that's like a little more fun and childish but um but serial is still amazing um serial is like the cream of the fucking crop and the second season is just fascinating. I think it's so good. I, I would agree that probably the first season is a little more compelling. It's more like they're actually uncovering clues and doing, you know, going into evidence and stuff. But I think they really take a, you know, they go very political in the second season. And, it, and it's interesting to take all that in, especially with all the political issues going on nowadays, too. I found it just, I, f I found it fascinating. I'm excited to, to listen to the ending. And I, I've, en I've really enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed it. I would be, I, I just don't, I, I think people like listen to it and they expect the same exact thing they got at season one. Well, that's not going to fucking happen. That's just not how it works. And instead this season, you know, I feel like last season was like a mystery. It's like that 2020 episode or whatever, you know, 48 hours. It's like watching that where, you know, those are obviously really fucking compelling and keep you on the edge of your seat and they're going to hold back clues and you want to hear stuff. This isn't really like that. This is more just observing all different angles of the story. I mean, there are some mysteries of, did he desert? Did he, um, you know, did he intend to join them or is he being honest in the sense that he wanted to try and get a dust one created and then bring attention to the fact that he thought his leaders were wrong. And then they go into like a character examination into Bo and talk about who he is as a person. And it's a lot more of a story as opposed to like a mystery, I, I would say is the best way to describe it. 
but I'm still enjoying it. I think it's fucking fascinating. And I think it's crazy to get all the different perspectives politically, um, from like a military, you know, militaristic standpoint, a human level from a standpoint of being just a common citizen, uh, who hasn't enlisted. And you, you kind of hear these soldiers talk about their experiences there and, and hear what they do to you know, prisoners of war and how war was there and what it was, uh, what it was like. And, and what they did to get him back. And you just realize like, Jesus Christ, there's just so much that goes on that we just forget about, you know? And it's, that's why I find it very compelling, very interesting. Cause I, I usually don't stay in tune to stuff like that as much. So, um, I think it's worth a listen. If, if you at all haven't listened to season two or you're waiting on it, maybe you haven't even listened to season one, listen to it and just know that it's going to be different. You know, it's just like any, it's, it's not like true detective season two different. It's like, um, fuck I don't know what's another show where they like change characters and it's like a different story and I don't know I can't think of a comparison because I don't know another show that really does that um I can't think of one off the top of my head maybe like American Horror Story I heard the second season was good there I don't know but it's uh it's it's not like True Detective season two where it goes in a direction you're like oh yikes like this is bad like you know it's not like that it is really good and um and I fucking thoroughly enjoy I, I'm fucking thoroughly enjoying it I can't wait for the ending so Final thing, I just want to bring it all to, and this is like the ultimate suggestion of the past two weeks. This is like easily the big thing. Fucking House of Cards is back on top, and it is just, it's back. This fourth season has shattered all of my expectations. Any problems I had with season three, I I complained about it, and I probably, I think I complained about it last episode. I was nervous, and... I don't even know if I really mentioned it in last episode. I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll watch it. And I, you know, I cranked it out in a fucking week. I'm like, I want to talk about the whole thing on the podcast. And it was, uh, it was, it was fucking phenomenal. I'm sorry. And, and spoiler alert. If you have not watched house of cards season four, just turn this off and then maybe come back and listen to it. And you can get my impressions there. But, Oh man. So fucking good. I know that's like a very juvenile way of describing the season, but it is so fucking good. That's that's all I can really say. Um, basically, you know, you're coming off season three. Claire leaves Frank. And that whole season just felt like there really wasn't a climactic moment. We're just like, ah, what's going on? And let me tell you my issues with season four, the way it started. So initially, I'm like, oh, it's Claire versus Frank. And that's how it goes. And spoiler alert, just fucking, like I said, I'm done. You know, I'm going to spoil everything. And you know, you think it's going to be Claire and Frank and just them against each other, them against each other. And then booms, like I think episode four, spoiler alert, Frank gets shot, you know, assassination attempt, whatever, by the reporter, Lucas Goodwin from like season one. And so initially my problem with, with it was, was the same as season three. I'm like, fuck, they're just bringing all the same issues back from season one and two. I think it's just the same old shit, different day. Okay, we get it. He killed Zoe Barnes. He killed uh, Peter Russo or whatever. You know, I, I can't remember. I think that's his name. You know, he killed that guy in the car. He pushed the girl into the train. Like, we get it. Like, can you just get away with it? And that's how I felt at first where I'm like, fuck. Like, I just want him to do more of that. Like, I know that sounds awful, but like, I want more excitement and drama like that. And frankly, we're not going to get that. And I think I come to turn. I, I came to terms with that this season because I was just like, okay, that's actually a good thing that we're not going to get there because it's more believable. It's more realistic and they can take this story in a direction where like it actually could go as opposed to just him, you know, offing people politically and like literally ending people's lives left and right. Like you would maybe expect, cause I don't think he's like really technically killed anybody since, um, since like Zoe Barnes at the beginning of season two, which was fucking crazy. And so like, maybe we won't get that excitement again. Sorry for that feedback. But that's not what it's all about, and it's, I don't know, I just thought it was such a good season, so, you know, they they just pulled the old fucking bait and switch, and they just did it perfectly. Sorry, there's some fucking feedback here. Um, they, they just let us at the beginning of the season thinking, okay, Claire and Frank, it's them against each other the rest of the season. I literally thought in episode four, I'm like, he's going to fucking kill her. I was watching it because I, I think one of my friends got ahead of me and he's like, oh, wait till you see the end of episode four. Like something crazy happens and not, you know, that's like kind of a spoiler, but it's like, all right, whatever. I got something to look forward to. And I literally was thinking, I'm like, he, she's fucking dead. He's going to kill her. Like, oh my God, he's going to frame it. And then boom, he gets shot two episodes after that. He's still like recovering. Claire's making moves politically. And like, I was pissed off at Claire. I'm like, fuck you, Claire. Like I want Frank. Like everybody wants Frank. He's the main character, you know, but then you realize 
Claire is just as much of a main character as Frank. Frank comes out of the coma. Spoiler alert. And the end of season, uh, the end of episode six was fucking phenomenal. And like I said, the old bait and switch, he comes out and he says, you know, I'm nothing without you. You're right. I need you. You're the reason people, you know, she's just as much a part of him as he is a part of her in terms of, you know, political gain and potential. And then there, he's just like, we need to work together. Let's get a plan. And I was just like, what? And it just, I loved it. I didn't see it coming at all. The writers did such a fucking amazing job with that. And it was just done so well, tricked me. I did not see that coming. And they just fucking handled it perfectly. The next few episodes, it just ramps up. I thought the pacing of it was fucking perfect. I thought they, like, I think a problem with, you know, uh, season three, it was just kind of like, he's trying to win the democratic primary, trying to win the democratic primary or whatever. And he's just dealing with being like not a great president. And it was just like this time frame that like, I felt like nothing really happened. And then finally Claire just like, I'm leaving him. And it's like, what? Like nothing. What? What's going on? And this one, then it just like ramps up and it's like, all right, he's going to be going for president. He's got the democratic primary. Now it's Claire going to be his vice president. Oh shit. She's going to be his vice president. Now they're going against, um, whatever his name is. Uh, what the fuck that the presidential can't Dayton. Well, let me look it up. Um, Joel Kinnaman's character, which that was my one big complaint. Conway. I didn't mean to look it up. Conway, president Conway. He, Joel Kinnaman as president Conway. Awful. Oh God. I thought he was like the worst. Terrible casting. That was so corny. I just couldn't believe it. Just like the little pretty boy. Like I am the Republican. I served in the air force and da, da, da. I just thought he was so robotic. He was so fucking robotic. And maybe that's who he was supposed to be. I don't know. I wasn't a fan. I'd, love to hear other people's impressions too, because I, I don't know if it was just me, but me and my girlfriend were watching it and I'm like, I don't like him. And she's like, I, I don't like him either. Like I, and granted she kind of came in out of nowhere. She was just hopping in and out of episodes with me, but still, I think that's like a bit of a indicator, you know, otherwise it was just, I loved all the casting choices and everything. Um, he was weak, but then I just thought they paced it so well. And, and like I said, you know, bringing it back to my one big complaint of besides, you know, Conway's, uh, besides Conway's actor, um, my big complaint of, ah, oh, it's all just back to season one, season two. They finally blew it up for the most part. They finally just blew it all up again in our faces where they brought Lucas Goodwin's story to the table. The end of the season ends with that story breaking finally from season one and season two. And, and I just loved it. I thought they did such a good job there because I'm like, Oh, this is why they're, this is why they've been building this up for so fucking long. Sorry for that feedback. This is why they've been um, harping on this. And as much as it's, you know, like I said, I want that excitement that we got in season one, season two again, but it's not going to happen. I mean, he's president now, you know, you're not going to get the, he's the wants to be the whip and then he's going to go for this. He's going to be vice president and then impeach the president. I mean, that's fucking exciting. So it's just a bit of a different dramatic excitement, a, a little bit of a different kind of storytelling, unfortunately. I mean, you know, not unfortunately, it's just different. It's a season. It's a fourth season. You know, you're never going to get the same thing. It's like the second season of serial. You know, that's how it goes with these shows. You have to be patient with it. And so, um, I, I loved it and I just thought the way they ended it, the way they combated that, um, that story being broken with, with them saying, we're going to fucking bring these terrorists, you know, take these terrorists to war and show them this brutal video of this guy getting his throat slit, this like hostage. And then just the season ends and Claire breaks the fourth wall with him. I was just like, Oh my fucking God. Like it was just perfect. I thought it was, it was just perfect. And, um, I just, I, it's back on top. The show's so good. Um, I didn't know what they were going to do. I really didn't know what they were going to do. And the writers just, I think they found their groove and, and maybe they were planning on doing this all along. It's just that season three was in between. And I think like one of my roommates was saying uh, to one of my other roommates who's catching up still, he's on like season two. He was saying, yeah, you, you might not hate season three as much of us. Cause you're going straight into season four. If you watch season three and you're going straight into season four, you'll, I don't know. It's, it's a lot better that way. Um, it's, it, the transition like makes sense, but when it ends like, and it's just on the end of season three and it ends that way, I was just like, God damn it. Like I just was left wanting. So I thought they did a fantastic job. I'm excited for the next season. And, and I just think it's back on top. It's such a great show and definitely going to be uh, a big, uh, big talk when um, a big part of the conversation when it comes to uh, when it comes to award season with that show, I think, I think Frank Underwood or Frank Underwood, Kevin Spacey, he is basically Frank Underwood. God damn. He involved, uh, he like just takes himself in that character. It's insane. Um, I think him and, and Robin Wright will both be winning something and writing wise that show deserves something as well. So 
House of Cards, fucking amazing. Um, one last thing before I go, we're 52 minutes in, almost 53 here. Um, Boardwalk Empire, you know, I love that show. I finished it. I don't know if I'll get into it as much right now because, you know, we're wrapping up here, but I finished it and I hated the finale and it was really disappointing. Finished the fifth season. I was so jazzed. I'm like, fuck yeah, like I finished. Oh, and by the way, I haven't watched Vinyl yet, so maybe we'll talk about that next episode. <laughs> Still haven't watched Vinyl. But I finished Boardwalk and it ended with a cheesy, stupid twist and it like tried too hard to like make a point and it was just so fucking stupid and it was just so disappointing and it was just like a great reiteration of like damn when these shows can just end on the right note that's what it's all about like so like when you can end on a note and then make a point and even if it's subtle and it maybe pisses people off at first i like boardwalk didn't make a point it was just like tommy darmody or like literally it ends with like a character coming out and he shoots spoiler alert shoots um <laughs> Nucky in the face and he's like I'm Tommy Darmody like the son of somebody he killed like in season two like Michael Pitt's character big twist there too it's kind of a killing off of like a main character you wouldn't expect and just the way they delivered the line and like the way it was handled I was just like holy shit this is so fucking corny and like not making a point and then just like ends with like a little segment of him as a kid showing like he's always been like going for money and it just didn't make a point to me it just kind of you could tell they just had to end it and I hated it because I loved the season like as it was going along I just thought it was so good the fifth season was just so fucking good and wrapping up all the character storylines as as best as they could and then I just think they kind of had a cop out at the end there so I, I was really disappointed but overall Boardwalk is still going to be one of my favorite shows um, I think it's it's a great show and it's I just love the period piece aspect to it um, of being in Prohibition I, and I thought the fifth season started out great had a great middle was great near the end and then the ending itself was just weak and you could tell that last episode they're just rushing and just trying to get too much stuff you know trying to cover too much ground and that's how it happens with some shows you know like breaking bad i think that's probably one of the best finales of all time if not the best i mean it just wraps everything up perfectly um as it should not good bad whatever it just ends it the way it, the story deserves to be told and unfortunately boardwalk didn't do that so i was let down by that but otherwise I, I, you know i love that show i just have to get that off my chest and i'm not going to go off on it too much because we're you know we're deep in this podcast for almost an hour in. So that's been the episode. And, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Episode 12 content for the culture. We're still, we're still alive kicking and, uh, making it happen here. Listen to, uh, Prince Thomas, listen to Lindstrom, listen to my content for the culture playlist, follow it on Spotify, follow me on Spotify. Um, follow my electronic playlist on Spotify. Uh, go to the website, contentfortheculture.com. That's where you can find all that stuff that you're going to need to. There's links and everything there. It's going to take you where you need to go. There's a Spotify link at the top of the page. Um, click on my profile and just to add me there and follow. That way you can just stay in track of, um, stay in track, stay on tune with the kind of music I'm playing and uh, kind of music you should be concerning yourself with. That's what this podcast is all about. And otherwise, uh, you know, hope you enjoyed House of Cards. Watch it. Um, next episode, hopefully we actually talk about vinyl. Maybe I'll actually watch it. And then finally, um, finally, no, finally, um, I don't know, maybe I'll talk about a movie or something, but for the most part, I want to talk about vinyl and then we're getting, th we're getting close to Thrones and Silicon Valley starting it's exciting and got girls and togetherness tonight. So a lot of good shows on right now. Not, not many good movies coming out in my opinion. I just haven't seen anything. Um, but, but I'll stay on track of it uh, on, on top of it and, and try and stay on track and keep you guys up to date with the best content possible so thanks for listening this was episode 12 and and let's leave you with the solid track from prince thomas as i promised it was a track from a through e and it's gonna be the letter e from uh, principe del norte from prince thomas so here you go enjoy and, and have a have a great rest rest of your weekend talk to you soon mm -hmm.